go to my mind. That, but, um, uh, but, but I'm just saying, the whole idea is to put off what God designed and made you to be and say that I'm going to choose my own life and I'm going to choose. It's a rebellious spirit, a rebellious attitude. Now, there's some people uh, that, are, that are firmly, they, they've been totally misguided their whole life. I mean, this is, they've been working on this for a long time to, to indoctrinate kids and indoctrinate people, but it comes and it stems for, from a rebellion against who God made you to be. And it's all, it's all over uh, our society, and it's a mess. The Bible says this, not only this, in verse number two, it says uh, that they counsel together against the Lord, but look at what it says and against his anointed, uh, against his anointed. Hey, hey listen, uh, that could be several things. The first anointed that I think of is, of course, Jesus Christ. And boy, they, don't, they hate Jesus Christ. Uh, they don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. But he is the, the anointed of God. But listen, the anointed could be uh, the preacher. It could be anybody that stands and preaches the truth of the Word of God and would give forth the words of God. Listen, Jesus told His disciples back in John chapter number 15 and verse number 18, He said, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Hey, listen, we need to understand and recognize when the world takes aim at us, it is, don't take it personally, they don't like God. They don't like the Bible. They don't like that you're a Christian. They don't like that you stand for truth and that you stand for righteousness and that you are cl clearly saying, listen, that's not of God and therefore is not right. They don't like that. We don't have to, you don't even have to be rude and crude about it for them to hate you. Uh, just the fact that you live right and do right means that they will hate you. So we see this rebellious attitude that's permeating uh, even our society today. And, uh, and we see that that is the idea here in verse number two. Look at what it says in, in verse number three. This is what they're saying. These, these rulers that have all banded together. In verse number three, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. They want to, not only is it a rebellious attitude, but it is rending of cords. You know what they see us as? You know what they see the Word of God is? You know what they see Christianity as? They see it as cords that restrain them. Uh, you ever you ever take a uh, I have a I have a bought a canoe here recently and uh, and I put it on top of my car and and I wasn't quite ready to bring it home and so I I tied it down as best I could with those cords and and the cords were there why to restrain it it was to keep it in place so that it wouldn't shift so that it wouldn't move while I was driving down the road last thing you want to do is slam on your brakes and your canoe keep going I mean you don't want that to happen. Uh, and, and so those cords were there to hold that thing in place. And listen, they're saying, man, we want to rend all the cords. We want to cut all the cords. We don't want any restraint in our life. We don't want anything holding us back. To, we want to be able to do what we want to do without any restraint. And they are banding together in verse number 3, and they are cutting and breaking away the cords 
of restraint. Not only the cords of restraint, uh, that was my third one. Well, actually, it's a cord of responsibility. It's a cord of responsibility. You know what that is? That we are held accountable to God. And we're responsible for our actions before God. It's a cord of responsibility. They don't like that. They don't want to be held accountable to God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Because he doesn't want any accountability to God. He doesn't want any responsibility towards God. It's a cord of responsibility. It is a cord of rules that says, hey, this book declares what is morally right and morally wrong in our society. The government should not declare that. God declares that. Um, and listen, when we get away from the Word of God, and we decide collectively, we can all over here, we can vote. Uh, blue is, is the right color to wear, right? Let's all vote. Everyone raise your hand. Oh, yes, you guys are good. You guys over here, you're going to vote. Nope, blue is outlawed. Red is the color to wear. Raise your hand. Got some red lovers over here, some blue. Then we're going to have discord. We're going to have chaos. Because we over here, we think blue is the right one. And the over here, we think red is the right one. And, and all of a sudden... I'm wearing a little bit of red. Whoops. I'm supposed to be on the blue side. I like blue a little better. But, uh, but you see where the, it's very becomes very subjective. You say, well, colors are, are really insignificant. Yeah, it is. But when it comes down to death and life, we think, well, you know, if this guy does this, then it's okay to kill him. If, 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 a, if a, a woman gets pregnant and, and she doesn't want that baby, then it's okay to kill it. That's what it boils down to. And it boils down to a whole lot more than that. There are, there are places, um, honestly, who don't think it's wrong to lie. There are societies. Uh, there, are, there are cultures and people groups who think, oh, it's okay to lie. Matter of fact, some of them value deception and think, wow, they're really good at that. And it's all about deceit. We would think, man, that's just wrong. But that's, why is it wrong? We need to base everything of right and wrong, not in our opinion, not because, well, I wasn't raised that way. At camp this week, last week, uh, they, they, they were asking about some words. And I said, well, my, I'm not going to tell you it's wrong, but my dad never let me say it. I won't tell you here what it is. But I, I said, you know, it, it was culturally unacceptable. In my, now, I don't know that I could say from the Word of God it's wrong. I probably couldn't. But it's just a word that I was taught never to use in my life. And, and so we, what I'm saying is we have our, our morals and what we choose is right and wrong has to come from the Word of God. And it's got to be decided from that. They want to cut the cords uh, of of responsibility and cut the cords of rules from their life and they want to cut the cords of restraint that way they can choose what they want to do and how they live their life and nobody can tell them it is wrong they want to rend those cords the bible says there in verse 3 let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us they're saying, hey, we don't want something restraining us. We don't want something holding us back. And boy, that's how you get a, a society just completely barreling out of control because there's nothing to restrain them. There's no morality to hold them down. So we find the heathen view here in verses 1 through 3. And I just, may we be reminded, may we always remind ourselves, 
it's not against us. It's against the Lord. That's what he says there in verse number 2, that they take counsel against the Lord. Not only can we see the heathen view, I want you to notice in verses 4 through 9, the heavenly view. Look at what it says. Look at the reaction in verse number 4, the heavenly view. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Isn't that amazing? I I, I won't do it for sake of time, um, but... Could you imagine, I, I don't even know some of these little ones in here, but could you imagine, uh, Brother Tannis is probably the tallest guy we got in here, and we take one of these little guys uh, and we put them against Brother Tannis, tall guy. You, got, you just imagine a little tiny guy and a big tall guy, and this little, little tiny guy says, man, I'm going to beat you up. You'd laugh, because honestly, it'd be funny. It would. And you know what? That is exactly what is going on here. We as man, mankind, looking to God, saying, I'm casting off your cords. I'm not going to be restrained by your rules, by your responsibility, by your authority over me. I'm casting it all off. And God is like, laughs. Why? Because, do you understand, we are a speck on a speck. Last week at camp, I, I love creation anyways, and I don't. I don't know it. I don't know that I could ever know enough about the universe, to be honest with you. But when you look at Earth and you put it in, in, in light of our solar system, and then you put that in fact of we're not the only solar system in space. Now, how big do you measure up on all of that? Now, think about this God created all of that, every bit of it. And so what I'm saying is, uh, when I look at, at, at space, and I look at the universe, and I look at the solar system, man, I, I feel even smaller than, than micro. I mean, I feel really small. And, and here's man uh, that is just tiny in comparison to God. Uh, our illustration breaks down because God is so much bigger than what we are. He's bigger than the planet Earth. He's bigger than our solar system. And here's man that lives on Earth like a little tiny ant saying, I'm going to cut your cords off. And saying, you're not going to control me. Are you kidding me? He could squash us with a thought. Not even his thumb. And here's the, the, the reaction of the heavenly view The Bible says in verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. The mere notion and thought that we could toss God off as if He were an ant is hilarious to God. It's just inconceivable. And so He laughs. Look at His, that's His reaction in verse number 4. Look at His reply in verse number 5. The Bible says, Then shall He speak unto them, in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. His reply in verse number five is that of wrath, inciting God's anger. Uh, it is it is utter foolishness to think, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of God out of our life. That's not even a faint reality or possibility. God is part of our life, and 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 that would be a way to incite. God's anger, which would be foolish in and of itself to incite the anger of, of God that is all-powerful and almighty. And there's, um, uh, there's some warning words that, hey, we read over and over in the Word of God 
Uh, this phrase, day of the Lord, it doesn't show up very often, but it is a very serious alarm that is being sound. Isaiah 2.12 says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Isaiah 16.3, uh, 16, excuse me, 13.6 says, how will ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Joel 2.1, blow ye the trumpet of Zion, and sound an alarm in the holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. And basically what I'm saying is, hey, we ought to be an alarm to those that are living their life thinking we can toss off God and, and, and cut all of his cords of, re, of responsibility and rules and restraint on our life and live any way we want. Hey, we ought to be a voice of warning and alarm to them saying, hey, listen, there is a judgment day coming and you will stand before God whether you believe it or not. It is coming and you will stand before Him. And you ought to take warning of that. We see the heavenly view. His reaction is laughter. His reply is, is words that are, are anger, uh, that are incited. And then it says there in the second part of verse number 4, the Lord shall have them in derision. And verse number 5, then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. What does the word vex mean? It means to afflict, disturb, trouble, persecute, torment. And so God is going to judge, and the judgment of God is going to fall on the unrighteous. You say, well, listen, some of them probably already died and missed it. No, they didn't miss it. Judgment can still come, even after they're dead. Matter of fact, that's when judgment comes, uh, is after they are dead. But the earth will be judged, and all of it. Look, move on with me to verse number 6. Look at here. I find it interesting. He says there in verse number 6, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. It's interesting. In verse number 2, the kings of the earth set themselves. In other words, they choose themselves and they set themselves up. But in verse number 6, the heavenly view, God is going to set up a king. Hey, and when he chooses, it's going to be the right one. There's not going to be any sliding of elections when God chooses the king. Uh, it's going to be the right one. And he's going to set up the king upon his holy hill. The Bible says, my holy hill of Zion. And there's a heavenly king, not a rebellious earthly king, but a heavenly righteous king that is going to be set upon the throne. And he's going to judge. Look at what it says in verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Hey, that's all prophetic to Jesus Christ sitting on the throne and reigning in this earth. It's looking forward, but it's telling them, hey, there is coming a king. 
And there's a decree that will be declared, verse number 8, and control is reestablished. He says, ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. In other words, hey, he will regain control of everything. Verse number 9, the Bible says, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And I'm just saying the heavenly view, boy, there's so much more power behind the heavenly view than the heathen view. The heathen view just says, hey, get your hands off of me. I want to live how I want. The heavenly view says, you're all coming in and you're going to be controlled and you're going to be, there's a de decree that's going to be declared. There's judgment and those that are, are, are not right and not following God and those who have been rebellious are going to be judged by God and dashed in pieces as the Bible says. We have the heavenly view we have the heathen view. But I love the, the way this psalm ends in verse number 10. We have a helpful view. And he says this. He says, look, this is how it's all going to play out. You think you're going to do this. Here's what's really going to happen because I'm in charge ultimately and he's God. And so he's going to give us a little tidbit of help here in verse number 10. And he gives us a helpful view. He says in verse 10, Be wise now therefore. O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. You know what he's telling them? Be receptive to instruction. Hey, they've got an opportunity. They, they, they live, while they live on this earth, while they still have life, there is an opportunity and he's telling them, be wise. Don't be a fool that said in his heart there is no God. Don't, don't just cast off all the rules and regulations that God has laid out in his word, but be wise and receive the instruction that God has given us. God has gone through great uh, measure, uh, if I can say it that way, he's, gone, he's promised us to preserve his word. And he has. Why did he do that? So that we have a warning. So that we know what, what is coming. So we know what is going on. So we know who God is. So that we know what the responsibility of man is. And what the rules of God are. And what, what we ought to do. And he's saying, hey, be receptive. Now it's interesting in those verses, verse number 10 there, he's talking to the, the leadership. He's talking to the king. He's talking to the judges. He's talking to those who are in places of authority and rule. Look at verse number 11. And he says this, Be receptive to instruction, verse number 10 and verse number 11. Serve the Lord with fear. He said, respond to the warning that you're getting. Hey, you got an opportunity. Hear the instruction be wise to it. Respond to that warning. He says, serve the Lord. Sometimes, as I was reading over this and thinking about this, sometimes in our minds, we think that serving the Lord can only be done in church. We think of taking up the offering. We think of teaching a Sunday school, playing an instrument, preaching, teaching, praying, giving, doing, going. Uh, but listen, you know what? You can serve the Lord in your public job outside of church. Matter of fact, God really, he, he instructs us to do that. He says, uh, he says that, hey, we ought to have a good testimony in our workplace and, and, and serve uh, because people will look at that and realize, well, that guy's he's different. He's serving the Lord. 
And, and so he's telling these leadership, those who are kings, those who are judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear. They can serve the Lord as a king. They can serve the Lord as a judge. They can serve the Lord in public office. They can serve the Lord in whatever job that it is that you have. You can use that as a service to the Lord by doing that. And so he's requiring of them, hey, respond to the warning and serve the Lord. Not only that, but he goes on there in verse number 11 and he says, uh, serve the Lord with fear. We've talked about that many times. But he says, rejoice with trembling. Not just to serve the Lord, but also to rejoice. Hey, listen. Man, wouldn't it be great if our leaders rejoiced in the Lord? You know, you know actually, you don't see a lot of rejoicing um, in, in, in the news or media or, or things of that nature. Hey, we ought not be afraid to rejoice in the Lord. Say, praise the Lord and be happy about things. The Bible says in Psalm 107, 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We ought to respond to the warning. They ought to respond to the warning. He's giving them an opportunity, and this is a helpful view. Be receptive to instruction, respond to the warning. And then lastly, look with me at the last phrase of verse number 12. I love this phrase because it's all-inclusive. It says, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Hey, the last thing is receive a blessing. You live for the Lord. And you know what? There's a blessing that can be received. We talked about that last week. Uh, the, your blessed life uh, by, by not walking in the counsel of the ungodly and, and, and things of that nature. And he ends this psalm the same way. He starts out, boy, the heathen are raging and this is their view and this is how they want to live their life, trying to get out from under the cords of God and out from under the rules of God. And, and then God's view is, hey, you're going to be judged if you do that. There is a judgment day that is coming. And at the end he says, man, why don't you just be wise? And heed the instruction and follow what God has said. Be warned because there is that day coming. And then he says, be blessed. All they, I love that phrase, blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Boy, I'm glad I'm not part of the heathen group. I'm, part, I'm, I'm being saved, praise the Lord. You don't fall under the heathen group. If you trust the Lord as your Savior, then you're part of those that have put their trust in Him and you can be blessed. And, and, and listen, we ought to continue to follow the instruction of God and the, the rules of God and what God has given us and, and, and understand that there are two views. There's that heathen view. There's that heavenly view. Hey, and listen, don't get mad at the world when they get mad at you. They hate the Lord. They don't like his word. They don't like righteousness. Understand because you're a Christian, don't take it personal. They don't like your God. They don't like authority over top of them. And, and just as Jesus told his disciples, hey, they hated me before they hated you. And so we need to be understanding of that. And, uh, and hopefully that will help us understand that a little bit as we look at the psalm. But we'll be blessed. And so will all people 
that will put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow his word. And so help us to fall into that category and, uh, and, and be sure that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll be sure to bless your life. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for even giving us the insight to the heathen view. God, sometimes we truly don't understand what goes through their mind. But may we understand by their actions and their words and their way they live their life. God, it's not against us. It's against you. God, I pray that you would help us to sound the alarm and sound the warning, not in a vindictive or bad spirit, but truly out of compassion, God, that they will be judged. And God, we ought not want them to be judged when they can find grace, they can find forgiveness, if they would simply turn to you. And God, that you can change their life. That's really where you draw us to in the end that blessed are all they that put their trust in him. God, help us to point people to you, to trust you with our lives, and to cause others to put their trust in you as well. God, we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have just a short